Now, more of the best of the Jim Rome Show. Ohio State head football coach Ryan Day is joining us. Go back to the draft. You had two more guys selected in the top 11 picks. You had six players taken overall. You had five more getting shots with teams after the draft. I'm curious, what's it mean to you on a personal level when you get to see so many guys get a chance to live out that NFL dream? Well, it's fulfilling to, to be uh, with the recruits from from really – now we start them almost their sophomore year, you know, and we're recruiting guys who are 15 years old. I said, we start getting to 14 year olds, I'm out, you know, but uh, we're recruiting them at a young age and, and then to see them go through the process of their high school career and, and then, um, you know, really selling them on the idea that they're going to develop at Ohio State uh, on the field, off the field, across the board, and, and then see them have an opportunity to have a really good career at Ohio State, but then go on to chase their dreams of playing in the NFL. That's the most rewarding thing we do as coaches. We're talking to Ryan Day. So in terms of that, Ryan, I had Chris Olave on the show before the draft, and he was telling the story of how he met you when you were at his high school to see a different recruit. I mean, it's not a totally uncommon thing, but what do you remember seeing, or what do you remember about seeing Olave for the first time? And then what did you see to let you know that he might be special? You know, it's just like anything else in life. When, when you when you ask a lot of people and, and you have so many people coming up to you and explaining to you that uh, you know this is a special young man, he he didn't play his junior year, so he didn't have any film out there. But so many people were just ranting and raving about who he was as a person, his athletic ability, and even the quarterback that we were recruiting at the time, Jack Tuttle, was uh, just really selling him hard. And then had an opportunity to watch him do a few things. And then uh, his first few games, we went out to watch him uh, play live. And, and you could just see a multiple sport athlete, somebody who was just dynamic in space, uh, really strong. You know, he's not very big, but but uh, but was strong with his hands and strong with his play. And then just his work ethic and his, his total makeup, uh, you could tell he was going to be a very good player. Ohio State head football coach Ryan Day is joining us. So when you look to the upcoming season, you've got C.J. Stroud, who was top five in the country in passing yards and TDs. He threw for nearly 600 yards in the Rose Bowl, and all of that was in his first year as a starter. When you look back on last season, what sticks out to you the most about the way he showed up? Yeah, boy, I, you know, it was almost like, um, you know, when you, when you look at the beginning of the year, he had not thrown one college football pass before. And we started off with the game on the road at Minnesota. Um, and there were times during that game where it was a little dicey. And then we came back and played Oregon at home um, and lost the game. But, uh, you know, he, he showed things in that game that were exciting for his future. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the reason we lost that game was not because of C.J. Stroud. But, uh, but you know, he had to take on some tough situations based on how that game played out. And then as, as time went on, um, you know, he just grew. His confidence grew. And he built uh, to the point where he was playing some of his best football at the end of the season. And, and the way he played in that Rose Bowl, we talked about going into that game. That was an idea, to, you know, really the idea of that was to build momentum going into the offseason. I think we did that. And I think, um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence going into the season. We're talking to Ryan Day. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say, there's already talk about him being the first pick in next year's draft. I'm curious, what's your reaction when you hear that? And then what kind of expectations do you have for him in his second year as starter? Well, I, I think that there's um, you know, a lot of people who, you know, they, they, they put out different things and they make their projections and, and that's all part of their job. And um, I think, you know, we all have to understand that and certainly CJ has to understand that. But the whole focus frame has got to be on his development. And um, none of that stuff matters if he doesn't continue to develop. You know, where he was at at this point last year and where he is right now are two different places, but uh, it's only been a year. And so 
the idea for him is to have a great season, but but the goal for him in in the long term is to have a great career in the NFL. So the focus has to be on development. Um, it can't be just about trying to get to the NFL. Um, that that opportunity is going to come for him. So every day is just got to maximize each day and try to make it great and continue to focus on that development. Talking to Ryan Day. So Ryan, as many people know, you played quarterback at UNH under Chip Kelly. But listen, there are plenty of guys who played the position but can't necessarily coach the position or not at a very high level. You seem to have a really, really strong connection with quarterbacks, both in the way you recruit them and in player development, something you've mentioned several times this morning. In your mind, what does it take to be a great quarterback? Like, what are the qualities that you're looking for? <laughs> well, when, when you don't have a lot of athletic ability or blessed with a great speed or arm strength or anything like that, you kind of have to figure out a way to – um, you know, find different angles to be successful. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's what makes really good quarterbacks is all of those type of things. You know, God gave us a certain level of talent, and we have to acquire skill and discipline in our lives. And so, you know, <clears throat> how quickly can we uh, take the talent that God's given us, max it, um, you know, mix it up with great skill, which is the ability to play the position, you know, how you throw the ball, um, you know, your footwork, all the things that come with the technical and fundamental part of it but also the discipline of studying film, of understanding how teams are trying to attack you, of making sure you stay humble when things are going well, um, of you know not panicking when something doesn't go your way, um, the discipline of making sure you're going to bed early at night and taking care of your body. I mean, all those things come into play here. And I think it does certainly help when, um, when you play the position um, and when you're calling plays and, and when you're meeting with the quarterbacks, you, know, you feel like you're, uh, when you're calling the plays, you're, you're talking to the quarterback. And it's a very quarterback-friendly offense, and that probably plays into it a little bit. Oh, I was State Head Football Coach Ryan Day joining me for a few more moments. Ryan, I'm picking my spots carefully. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. But, like, you're recruiting so well and at such a high level. I'm curious, when you're recruiting elite talent, and then that talent sees the depth chart full of future NFL players, and they know they're not, that you're not going to stop recruiting elite talent at that position, how do the recruits typically respond, and what is your message to them in that regard? Well, first off, if, if, if you want to be great, you have to put yourself in a situation to be challenged and uh, embrace productive discomfort every day. And, you know, if you can make it Ohio State, you can make it anywhere. And so you, if, if your goal is to play in the NFL, you're going to have a, a locker room that's going to be very, very talented. And so every day you're going to be lining up and you're going to be competing not only in your room but across the ball from somebody who also has the same goal in mind. And if you're very, very competitive and that's what you want, this is the environment for you. That combined with, you know, a culture and environment here where we take really good care of our players. And, um, you know, it's not just what you can do on the field. There's more to it than that. It's, it's, it truly is a family environment. You can't just say that. It has to really be that way. And that's we take a lot of pride in that here. But it's also extremely competitive. And for those who understand that, they jump in. And, you know, for other guys, it, there's other places for them, and, and we understand that. But we want to have guys in the program that are highly, highly competitive and have a high focus on, you know, the family atmosphere. What an amazing line you just had that you want guys who embrace productive discomfort every single day. I love that. Ryan Day is joining us. Ryan, I want to ask you about something very sad, but I want to ask you about one of your former players, Dwayne Haskins, who tragically died last month. When you think of Dwayne, what are your first thoughts and memories that come to mind, if I could ask? Yeah, no, um, you know, very, very sad situation, a very confusing situation, um, really a tragedy. Um, but you know, I, I think of, first off, here at Ohio State, um, you know, he, when I, when I came in, he was really the one that 
kind of kick-started the, the quarterback kind of wide receiver passing game that we've um, you know been fortunate to be around here over the last you know five to six years. Um, and he brought a lot to that. And I think um, you know that 2018 season was a great season uh, for Ohio State, but just a special season uh, for him. Uh, but but more most importantly, I just I, I just remember somebody with an unbelievable smile who always took time, uh, especially with younger kids. I just remember having my kids here, and he would spend 45 minutes playing catch. And um, there's a lot of stories of like that of, of those type of things. He he always wanted to make sure that others were okay. And I think that that was one of the things he left a legacy behind here at Ohio State. Mm. Ryan Day, my guest. Ryan, one last thought about something that you've done, you and your wife, Christina, off the field. Nearly three three years ago, you both created the Christina and Ryan Day Fund for Pediatric and Adolescent Mental Wellness. I know that this is a cause that is very, very close to both your hearts, and you're looking to destigmatize the issues around mental health. What would you say to somebody listening right now who maybe is having a hard time and having a hard time asking for help? I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of stigmas attached to this area, um, and there, there's there's many different layers. And I just like physical health, there's different afflictions and there's different levels of um, good health and bad health. But the, the stigma um, that we're trying to break the most is that talking about these types of things. Um, you know, having a conversation and saying that, you know, I, I have thought about these different things, or I am struggling in these areas. Um, I think a lot of people have um, a preconceived notion that talking about these things is a trigger or they're afraid to talk about. Um, but they're, they're actually really healthy, and the studies show that it's a good thing to do. And uh, being able to show your emotions and share your emotions um, brings strength and you know, as we work through difficult times, we build more strength just like we do with our bodies. And there's physical health and mental health. And the, the thing I try to use with my players all the time is if you have a sprained ankle, you know what the protocol is. You go get treatment, you tape up your ankle, and uh, you get better. If you don't, you're going to have a lot more problems down the road. It, it's very similar with mental health. And uh, it's not as easy, but it's something that we try to talk about here. What a great point. So quick follow. The thing is, though, we don't always know the protocol, right? You may know the protocol for a sprained ankle, but we don't really know necessarily the protocol for mental health. So what do you do? You just ask for help? Well, you have to first off, you know, surround yourself with, um, you know, people who, who care about you. You have to have the resources. And, and sometimes you need um, professionals that you can talk to. And, and again, not all of us have those resources, but many of us can, where, you find a, a psychologist or someone that you can turn to uh, to, to ask for help. Um, but we also need to make sure that, you know, we surround ourselves with people that we can be honest with, to have conversations and to be uh, truth tellers in our life so that if they see something in us, they can get us help. But typically we have to go to the professionals and make sure we're using those resources. And what a great conversation right there. He is the head football coach at The Ohio State University. I ran down all the numbers, 34-4 and four overall, 23-1 and one against the Big Ten. Season opener is Notre Dame, September 2nd. Ryan Day making his first appearance on the program. Ryan, I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate that conversation. I appreciate you making time for it. That was great. Thanks so much. Jim, yeah, much, much respect. Anytime. Much respect, Coach. Hope we can do it again soon. That was great. I am really pleased with that. As mentioned, we were going to do some things today that we had not done for a while, and we were going to do some things today that we had never done and did both those things back-to-back. Tyron Matthew back in the jungle for the first time in a long time. That felt great. 
Ryan Day in the jungle for the first time ever. That felt great. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. We continue now with the best of the Jim Rome Show. So Joel Embiid had another enormous game last night. He went 45-13 and 13 in the win over Indiana. His second straight double-double with at least 44 points. But as always with Joe, his game is not the only amazing thing about him. His personality always has been, still is, now more than ever, is absolutely different level, next level stuff. And we know this because The Athletic did a piece on him where they talked to a number of teammates and coaches, and the stories they get are just amazing. Amazing. Like, I cannot get enough. I've always loved Joe. And now it's like we just got this fix, this Joel fix. As an example, the time that he went over to the home of an assistant coach, and Joe asked if the kids, who were 7, 9, and 10, wanted to play video games. He then goes into his own backpack and pulls out a PlayStation, hooks it up, and proceeds to kick little kid ass. Billy Lang said, quote, when I say he pummeled my kids, there was no mercy. I think he won a Madden game, 98-6. to six. Then he started talking junk to the kids. When they started playing NBA 2K, he was saying things like, quote, can't guard me, you can't get a stop, end of quote. To kids, to children, a grown-ass man who packed his own PlayStation into his own backpack just so he could beat up on little kids. I love it. Like, there was no way he was going to leave it to chance that there might not have been a PlayStation in their home. He wanted to make sure there was one, so he brought his own just so he could kick the crap out of a 7-year-old kid and talk junk about it. Now, on the one hand, I would call that the biggest a-hole move ever. If or anybody other than Joe. If Joe does it, it's awesome. And if you think that's the only story of him picking on kids, you'd be wrong. Joe's trainer and one of my favorite guys, a podcast guest of mine, Drew Hanlon, talked about going to Cameroon with Joe and watching Joe play soccer. He's playing soccer now. Drew said, quote, There was a 13-year-old kid that had the ball, and Joel would go up and body check him off the ball. End quote. A seven-foot, elite, world-class athlete checking teenagers in a totally different sport. Now tell me that's not the best move ever. Tell me Joe is not the best human being ever. And just so we're clear, he doesn't only pick on and trash talk kids. According to Justin Anderson, he does it to adults as well. And in other things. Not just video games, not just soccer, not just basketball, but poker. Poker. Starting to get the sense that Joe likes to win and talk trash at everything. 
Quote, he'll bluff you hard, then after he bluffs you, he'll let you know about it. In poker. In poker, etiquette is to keep it cool. No, there was none of that with him. He'll immediately let you know, I bluffed you, you're stupid. Ha ha, look at you. End of quote. The thing is, it's not even about bluffing. It's about him calling it out afterwards and saying, you're stupid. Ha ha, look at you. Pretty hilarious. Like, I just bluffed your ass, man. You are like the stupidest guy ever. Ha ha, look at you. Normally, somebody does that in poker. They take your money. They bluff you. They humiliate you. They take your money, and then they rub it in your face and talk junk. That is absolutely a reason to go. But who's going to go with a guy who is seven feet tall, strong as hell, agile as hell, long as hell, and hilarious as hell? No. If Joel Embiid does that to you, you wear it. And you say, you know what, Joe? You're right. I am the stupidest person on the planet. You rule. Because he does. It's awesome. How can you not love this guy? Even when he's trolling you and rubbing it in your face. Or as J.J. Reddick says, quote, there's a level of just bleeping with people at all times. Which is exactly how he got the gloss Troel. You know, Troll Embiid? Troel Embiid does some of the things he does on social media because he's bleeping with people all the time. Like J.J. Reddick just said. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, sure, Rome. It's all well and good. All well and good that he's clowning kids on PlayStation or adults at poker, but the guy's a basketball player. All right? That's what matters. What's he like there? Well, he's nasty. He's nasty. When he was rehabbing from an injury and was finally allowed to have contact and proceeded to go to work on player development coach Curtis Sumter for a couple hours, here's what Sumter said. He beat the bleep out of me. And it wasn't even just the physical punishment. It was the psychological punishment, too. Quote, he would try to talk to me literally like I was a little boy. Okay, now wait for it. Quote, he'd be like, you're a bum. You're too little. End of quote. So there it is. Bum smack from Joel Embiid. And not to any rando but to the player development coach who is helping to rehab him, which is awesome. He's always been one of my favorite athletes. But when you're calling the player development coach at the NBA level a bum, you go to a whole new level of greatness. So, yes, I'm going to violate my own personal code of not allowing bum smack, but only for Joel. Here's a guy trying to help this guy rehab and get back and get right. And he's like, man, you're a bum. You're a bum, Sumter. You're too little and you're a bum. I'm going to allow bum smack for Joel. If Troel wants to bum anybody at all, he has my permission. And I'll even talk about it on this show. You're a bum. And now we're going to get to the controversial part. That was not it. Him calling a team employee who's only trying to help him a bum is not even the spicy stuff. The controversial part is this. His teammates aired him out for how he likes to eat his steak. Amir Johnson said he likes to, quote, extra, 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 well done. End of quote. I mean, how much more done can it be than extra, 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 extra done? 
Well done. Tobias Harris said, quote, he likes his steak burnt, which is like super disrespectful. We were at a very well-known steakhouse. Burning. He asked for the steak to be burnt, burnt. And the chef came out and was like, he's not burning the steak. That's like against his chef code. Joel was disappointed, and he was like, I don't want to eat here anymore. End of quote. Man, can you imagine how pissed off the chef would have to be to come out of the kitchen to tell you to your face, especially if you're Joel Embiid, that he's not cooking your steak the way you're ordering it. He's not cooking your steak the way you want it. That chef had to be personally offended on a really deep level. Like the chef is saying, in effect, that's a violation of my code, big dude, the chef code. In other words, that's the chef's reason to go. Now, look, I understand how temperamental some chefs can be, but this dude, like, doesn't even care that it's Joel Embiid. You know that whole thing about the customer is always right? That's not, that's not true at all. In restaurants like that, the chef is always right. You can order whatever the hell you want, but you're going to get what the chef cooks. You're going to get what the chef wants you to have. Yeah, the hell Joel is. Chef's like, no, I don't care who you are, man. You could be Dr. J. You could be MJ. You could be Braun. You could be Isaiah Thompson. All rolled into one. This is how you're getting your meat. This is how we do it. Take it or leave it. We're not changing for anyone. Not even you, Joe. Joe's looking at this guy. I'll bet you, I wasn't there, but I'll bet you anything Joe said, hey, Get your bum ass back in that kitchen and cook it some more. And then when you think it's burnt to a crisp, bum ass, cook it another 10 minutes. I'm not even playing. You're lucky I even eat for you bastards. You know the hell I am, bum ass? Cook it again. Like, I don't even care who you are, kid, adult, player, developmental coach, chef, whatever. You try Joe, you're going to get abused mentally, physically, and emotionally. Don't bleep with this dude because you know you'll lose. And by the way, if burnt brick is the man's choice of doneness, enough said. Who cares if he needs to cut that thing with a chainsaw? If Joel wants to put ketchup on that fine steak, Heinz away, big dude. You want to top that off with an A1 splash? You go right ahead, big fella. If Joel wants to double dip his chip in the spinach artichoke dip, you go right ahead. Triple dip, quadruple dip. He's Joe. If Joel looks over even at my plate and likes what I'm having better, I'm going to push my plate over before he even hits me with a bum ass. Trust the process? You bum asses don't trust the process. You just don't get it. And the reason for that, y'all bunch of bums. Thanks, Joe. You ever think this? I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Hey, listen, don't kid yourself. There is no such thing as a good reason for not buckling up. If you have used any of these excuses or any others, you are putting yourself at risk of injury or death. 
in 2020. More than 10,800 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 28% of all people killed in motor vehicle crashes that year. No matter what kind of a car you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and you use ride-sharing services as well. Law enforcement are on the lookout and they're writing tickets, so why take the risk? Seatbelts save lives, so do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it, don't risk it, click it or ticket, paid for by NHTSA. Now, more of the best of the Jim Rome Show. Smack-off number 28 is June 24th. Yesterday, we ended the program with a full segment of phone calls, and it was pretty damn good, actually. No, nobody pulled a golden ticket, but nobody got one ripped. They were good, solid calls. Two came from brand-new callers. That made it better. I want to see more of that all the time, but especially during smack-off season. I want some new blood up in here. I want some new voices up in here. Maybe an accent or two, like yesterday. Certainly more women. We need more women. In other words, I want you all to just shoot your shot. Any and all of you. You know the only rules. Have a take, don't suck. Have something to say. Something that brings a little bit of edge, a little energy, a little entertainment value, and get up in here. You miss 100% of the shots that you do not take, so let it rip already. Maybe you'll rip a golden ticket, which will get you an invite to Smack Up 28 on June 24th. It's not going to guarantee you'll get on the air, but it will get you an invite to the biggest event in sports radio. I know why you wouldn't want to try. I know why. Because you're afraid you'll get embarrassed. You're afraid, you're afraid that you'll get mocked. You'll get clowned. The JTP will be all over you. That's all right. That'll happen. Think of it as... A memorial. Like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Am I right, Tobin? What doesn't kill you definitely makes you stronger. And that guy is invincible. <clears throat> in contrast, but not in, uh, in quality, but not in quantity, or I should say, uh, in contrast, excuse me, Charles. See, that guy didn't die. He's stronger for it. And believe me, you can't be any worse than that. Or any of the rest of these dopey tryhards who've called during smack-off season, to try to play their way in over the years. I called last year about this time, and I got ran twice in a week. And ah! and that makes three. Tyler, you're so hot and buff that BJ in the Bay has a picture of you in his yellow fanny pack. Ah! I mean, how many BJ references did you think I was going to lie? And if you ever come here, you're going to get to see these big, beautiful oculars that make ladies' garments fall off at a thousand yards. There's cringy, and then there's creepy. It's funny, she referred to me as roadkill when she's actually fly-covered in trails in the middle of the road after jumping in my lane. Oh, and for all of you out there asking who writes my calls, simple answer is they write themselves. I'm moving on from this because I'm an alcoholic frog and I've got bigger fish to fry. Oh, I'm a little peeved right now, but Kim can talk some and you know he's really invested in it he's got a lot of skin in the game not one skin not two skin not three skin but four skin even if being really good at social got you a golden ticket i've got the moxie to pick up the phone unlike ashley 
in Nebraska. If that's even your real name. Yeah. Now, Bradley, you're a father of two children. You might want to switch up your Abby. Sucking on a stove that looks like a jumbo-sized Nathan's dog that Joey Chestnut dethrows every year like he's on Pornhub. Hey, Wells in the 360. Don't get your panties in a wad because you can't find your pickles under the chicken. I'm sure that's not the first time you couldn't find your gherkin. Albie was looking around the room like, dude, dude, what's a gherkin? Jeff in Southfield. You're the jungle version of an inbred. And I do not mean inbred like peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese. I got to imagine the last time you got laid was probably involved in PBH, duct tape, rope, and a knife. I have listened to Rome as he rants and raves, thinking I'm going to call because I got something to say. And I'm sitting on hold for a part of my day. Then Silk jumps in my because he's celebrity. There's a middle-aged dude on the surf today. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Incredible. Well done, guys. Especially you, Alvy. Listen, what I'm getting at is that's the worst that can happen. That is the worst thing that can happen. You call. You faceplant. We all laugh at you. You end up in a montage. And that's the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> Worst case scenario, best case scenario is you get a golden ticket. Then you get entrance, entry to a very exclusive party, and you have a chance to be in it. And if you're in it, you can win it. And if you win it, you get five grand. And then you go on and maybe even have your own media career, which is better than mine because I'm the damn idol maker. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got Teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor down to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a 4-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Now, you can come at me and say, well, let me turn that around and put it in the form of a question. What is the craziest stat in basketball this season? You might come at me with DeMar DeRozan breaking Wilt's record for most consecutive 35-point games while shooting better than 50%. Or you could come with Wilt averaging 48 and a half minutes per game for an entire season. Or with Wilt's other career stat, how many times he got nice in the bedroom. These are all good stats, all worthy of best stat ever. But as good as they are, I'm not sure they're the best I've ever seen. The best stat, not only this year, but any year, dropped yesterday, and it's kind of mind-blowing. Lids 
released a report on the top-selling NBA team and player jerseys around the country. Now, it should come as no surprise that LeBron and the Lakers are the number one-selling jersey in 30 states. Actually, knowing the way you tweet, I am actually kind of surprised by that. It's a lot of Braun hate, but he is number one in 30 states. MJ is number one in Illinois. I know, surprise, surprise, mother believers. MJ is number one in Illinois, South Dakota, and Delaware. Kobe is number one in Alaska and North Dakota. Then things get a little weird. Like, it makes sense that Dame is number one in Oregon. Like, it makes sense that Joker, Giannis, and Donovan Mitchell are number one in the respective states where they work. However, follow this. Vince Carter is number one in Maine and West Virginia. Steve Nash is still number one in Arizona. And then my favorite stat ever. Do you know who has the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama right now? Guess. Who's number one in Alabama? Mike freaking Bibby. (laughs) Not he shows up or he's moving a few. He's number one in Alabama. Can I repeat that? Mike Bibby is the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama. Not even Chris Webber from back in the day or White Chocolate. Mike Bibby. A Kings legend being the best selling jersey in Alabama. What are you going to tell me next? Is Vlade number one in Iowa? Is Peja the best selling jersey in New Hampshire? Mike Bibby is number one in Bama. The hell is that? I'll tell you what, that's got to be. And and I'm pro Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby used to come on the show back in the day, and I met members of Team Dime. I love these guys. But there's got to be an accounting error, right? Has to be. Charles Barkley is from Alabama. Robert Ory is from Alabama. Artis Gilmore is from Alabama. My man DeMarcus Cousins. Chuck Person, Eric Bledsoe, but none of them are outselling Mike Bibby, who was born in New Jersey, who went to high school in Arizona, who went to college at Arizona. He played for Vancouver, Sacramento, of course, Atlanta, Washington, Miami, and New York. I'm not seeing any Alabama on that list. Anything about him? that reeks of Alabama. I don't even know if my man's ever set foot in Alabama. So why is his jersey the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama? Like, I've got to know. Which jersey is the best selling one? Is it the Grizzly jersey or the Kings jersey? Or are the real heads going for the Washington Wizards jersey that he wore for two games? Because that would be amazing. But really, the biggest question is this. Why is Mike Bibby the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama? And according to Twitter, the answer is, have you seen him lately? No, I mean, seriously, have you seen my man lately? My man is bleeping jacked. Do it. Do it right now. Do it right now. Go to your your phone. Thumb it out. Go to your laptop and bang it out on the keyboard. Look him up. This dude is absolutely jacked. 
He put the basketball down, and he picked up a weight. All of them. Every weight. And is spending every moment of every day in the weight room. Don't tell me that Mike Bibby is huge in the state of Alabama. Mike Bibby is huge in every freaking state. The state of Mike Bibby is huge. Mike Bibby looks like Aaron Donald. Look it up. I'm not saying this for effect. Do it right this second. Look it up. Mike Bibby looks like Aaron Donald. No, check that. More accurately, Aaron Donald looks like Mike Bibby. Right. Mike Bibby, smallish point guard back in the day. Aaron Donald looks like Mike Bibby. If Mike Bibby wanted a second career as a D-end, I would give it to him right this second. Hell, I'd give Mike Bibby whatever the hell he wants right this second. Like, one of the fascinating things on social media is every few months, somebody tweets out a recent pick of Mike Bibby, and the internet loses its mind all over again. And by the way, I do too. It's mesmerizing. Like, the pictures don't even look real. He's that enormous. And I kind of get it, right? Because... The guy is in crazy, crazy shape. When most athletes retire, their body changes. Maybe they slim down from their playing weight. Maybe they lean out. Maybe they stay in shape. Or maybe they get a little bit bigger. Like, remember last week on Radio Row? Terrell Davis looked amazing. TD looked incredible. He looked like he could still play. Mike Bibby, though, looks like he's Mr. Olympia. I mean, this dude looks insane. Prices soaring at the pump. Discover's got your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with Discover a card. Limitations do apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. Alvy's week that was. Hi, who's this? I was hoping to get some Disneyland tickets. I mean, I have a 10-year-old, and she's been begging, and I don't have money for it, so. Yeah, that's really sad. Well, everybody's kind of broke right now, especially with gas prices, so. And I love, I love, I listen every morning, so. I think you got the wrong number. Do I? Is this the show, right? No, no, that's not us. This is the Jim Rome that Show. That is actually so true. What's going on? Welcome to the program. My name is, in fact, Jim Rome. I am, in fact, live. I am, in fact, in Southern live California. from Southern California. Thank you, Alvin. You're welcome. Why don't we start first with some action from the association. Christopher Emmanuel Paul. Let's get right to the real on a Monday. The point God is the joke God. Well, but- I'm not sure I've seen a worse performance on a big stage ever. Guys all up in here, browning their drawers, puking the bed. It's on the point God. Because this dude could not control anything last night. <laughs> Vincent Goodwill. You were there. What the hell happened to the Suns? A choking is like missing free throws, right? That's like Carl Malone. These guys just didn't show up. There was something wrong with that team. Jim, almost from the moment that they stepped on the floor. My passion was always football, but I didn't realize my passion was playing football. Oh. 
There is no one I would rather hear right now than Jameis Winston. And Jim, I got to take you to task a little bit. Roll off of Jameis a little bit, man. What are you talking about, Thomas? Dude, I'm taking up for him. I love the guy. Unbelievable. Mike Ruck is my guest. People that aren't sports fans are probably like, get a life. I actually had the weekend off. I ordered an absolute ton of wings yesterday, sat around and watched some Game 7. What a way to spend your weekend. Let's go to Jersey. Brandon. Mark, maybe for you, a bidet and a duvet serve the same function? We're Matt in L.A. using a public water fountain as a duvet. And you can't squeeze that crap paste back into the tube, dude. Who are you, dude? And how do you know so much about the show? Alan Shipnuck. The irony of Phil, you know, accusing me of using some of this material that was off the record, which it never was. It never would have been because I would have pushed back. I know so much that's not in the book. I had agreed I, I wouldn't use it or the sourcing people wouldn't put their name on. I really did feel a lot of solids in the reporting of this book. Email. I was way in over my skis. Signed, Sonny. War, I got trunk, babe. I got trunk, babe. You know what? Still too soon. I got trunk, babe. Run into people and see who falls down first. They will run into you until you fall down and then flex on everybody. It's for you and both of your arms. With their sleeveless numbers. A hero is more than a sandwich. Hey, Mark, don't, don't do, that. do that. The second pick will be made by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that means that Jamal the first Mosley is my guest. And then when they said, OKC, it was just like, it hit. It really hit. And then I just, you know, big smile came across. Just something very special. Now it's time for the beef. People that wear their clothes so tight, you can see every dimple in their ass. Loose knuckle camel toe. JD, what's your beef? JD, you're on the air. What's your beef? Oh, yeah, this is uh, Lafayette, Louisiana is our next stop. Charles. Yeah, this is Lafayette, Indiana. My bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, bro. Micah Hyde is my guest. We live in Orchard Park. 15 minutes away and it's shocking super sad and you just you just don't you can't even really put it into words and then every player both these team. dudes are acting like their programs are absolutely perfect don't dig into wherever he's been pristine some people think they're god neither of them have done anything wrong we didn't buy one player let me tell you about these two dudes i don't cheat and i don't lie him on his high horse it's a match race between the two of these guys maybe somebody should have slapped him he is rex this is First time in Lane Kiffin's life that he's been speechless. You have these two titans going to war. It's amazing. It's despicable. Write that down. Know your room. Your room is the planet. Wow, the fire started. He drove into the gas line, man. Freaking house exploded. Hey, Bill, try and work that in. I, I, I didn't say that. The scoreboard reads me, 30 rack calls, you won. Jarvis Landry is my guest. Man, we could be special. Learn from each other, play for each other, make the plays that come to us. Each guy, myself, Mike. You know, we're going to make things happen. Justin Thomas usually plays very good, so I love well. Justin Thomas. Well, damn it, I messed that up again. You are consistently illiterate. DJ Reed is my guest. What's good, Jim? I appreciate the introduction, man. You made me sound like I'm about to be in the Hall of Fame. Don't you want to rock me? Not at all. Hook, line, and sinker. You can't eat a burger and go play again. Can't wait to start. Smacking off. He was moving them puppies tonight. I go, no tipping, tipping. Bob Truax, who burned up Gus Grissom. Attain the hips. Screw all of you equally and super hard. It's a dynasty clone. Thank you so much, brother Jim. I appreciate you, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Jim. So grateful for you having me on. Like I told you last time, anytime. Can I have a drug test, please? Shamon. No boo on you. No boo on me. No I got you. I know what you make. We're done. Good night now. Good stuff, Alvy.